Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Happy Friday, February 22nd. And I missed you all last week. I had a great Valentine's show all lined up with lesbian lovers and uh, therapists about being lonely at Valentine's Day and a comedian. We were ready to rock it. And I Kids, I got hospitalized with blood clots. So I'm so sorry that I missed you all last week, last minute. But thank you to the good people of Cedar sinai for taking care of me for a week. Um, blood clots suck. I will just say that. I've had them before. It's the fourth time I've been hospitalized with them. I hate it. It's like a week of sitting there and just recuperating and getting better. But thank you to everybody for all the well wishes. So let's talk about today's show. First, I got to talk about me. Because I have been in the news, uh, and uh, you know, your your host here on Sidebar with John Duran, Mayor West Hollywood. I have been in the news, so I need to talk about that a bit. Then we're going to go to uh, Ant, uh, a local comedian and friend of of Auntie John Duran here, who is just hysterically funny. Uh, has been on various television and radio shows, and uh, he has been doing a lot of research about the life and times of Fatty Arbuckle. If you don't know the story of Fatty Arbuckle, he was accused of a terrible sex scandal, ruined his career, and later exonerated by a jury as not guilty. But he went through he went through the rings over all of it. And then finally, it's Oscar weekend. So uh, good pals Dennis Osborne and Byron Noreen are coming back to the show. They know Hollywood. They're like in the top 1% of gay men who know everything about the history of Hollywood. I don't know as much, and they know it all, and they're going to talk about the Oscars and Oscar predictions, and that's what we're going to do. All right, so let's first uh, talk about me for just a little bit. So um, I made the headlines, kids, and not in a great way, and uh, I think you all know I've been on the city council in West Hollywood for 20 years, coming up on 20 years, mayor uh, four times. And um, unfortunately, uh, the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles is an organization I've also been with for 20 years. Long story short, power struggle at the chorus, people wanting to take over, and uh, a a group of guys uh, unfortunately launched an attack, uh, I think not only on myself, but on the executive director of that organization. And it uh, it was not pretty. It was just not pretty. And... uh, Three fellows came forward and accused me of sexual harassment. But, of course, immediately everybody goes into, believe the victims, believe the accusers, without even wanting to hear the facts of the case. Well, quickly, because I don't have that much time, one accuser filed a claim. It was thoroughly investigated. Witnesses were interviewed, eyewitnesses who were in the vicinity. And at the conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that there were no facts to support his claim. I was exonerated by an independent investigator. The second accuser said that I said a vulgar and crude thing to him four years ago uh, before a performance. Four years ago, I said a vulgar and crude thing to him, and I apologized. But my apology, he felt, was not sincere enough. Well, you know, that part is actually true. I did say a vulgar and crude thing. I felt bad. I did apologize. He accepted it. He never said anything else about it until he went to the L.A. Times uh, two weeks ago and let it spill. And I'm like, really, dude, four years ago? Jeez, let it go, man. I, we cleared the air four years ago, but he brought it up. The third guy has never even filed a claim. Still hasn't filed a claim. Uh, just went to the L.A. Times with the other two and said, me too. 
Uh, and out of that, they clumped together three accusers, and the story just caught on fire and took off. So uh, I'm defending myself. You know, I've got these three accusers. One, completely unfounded uh, and unsupported. Two, four years ago, something vulgar I said that I apologize for that he's now bringing up as part of this power struggle at the chorus. And three, I have no idea because he hasn't filed the claim. So I have no idea how to respond to whatever he is saying happened. And that's where we are. And unfortunately, in this time of Me Too, where accusation to some people equals truth, there's just not a whole lot of room for due process. Well, there has to be due process. I get it. I get it, and we all get it. Sexual harassment is a serious issue. It has to be taken seriously. And historically, claims of sexual harassment have been ignored or discounted. And so I think that every accusation of sexual harassment has to be taken seriously because it hasn't in the past. But once the accusation is received, there's got to be a process. There's got to be an investigation. Witnesses have to be interviewed. Somebody independent has to analyze and look at all the facts and the witness statements and then come to decision makers with conclusions about what is true and what is not true and what there's uh, no evidence for one way or the other because that's how due process works. And uh, uh, we, we have to make room for due process, especially in this day and age. Otherwise, it's like the story uh, from Alice in Wonderland. If you remember, Alice is there and all the animals are assembling in the jury box and the judge comes out and says, uh, sentence first, verdict after meaning we're going to impose just a sentence, and the queen says, off with her head, uh, before we even get into the truth-finding or trying to find out what the facts are. And Alice said, this is absurd. You're nothing but a pack of cards. And thus ends the dream of Alice in Wonderland. Well, that is a situation I think, unfortunately, we find ourselves in, not only myself in the press, but Jussie Smollett. And, you know, I, I don't want to cross you know, talk two big issues here because my heart really goes out to Jesse. I've met him. I don't know him. We're not friends. I've only met him. But obviously he is uh, in the press and he brought forth this uh, claim about being bashed uh, by racist homophobes with Make America Great Again slogans. And we, all of our hearts rushed to his defense. And we believe the accuser. Believe the accuser. We believe the victim. Believe the accuser. Because, of course, we understand as LGBT people that we do get bashed violently and, and horribly and have for decades. And we immediately run to protect uh, anyone who is uh, vulnerable to a bashing or an attack. That's, that's our instinct. And I, you know what? I would do it again today just to protect. But now that the investigation occurred within a couple of weeks, it appears that maybe it's not what we all thought it to be. And I still know, uh, of course, that Jussie is innocent until proven guilty. At this point, he's entered a plea of not guilty. So we got to let the process continue to play out. And I'm not rushing to judgment yet about whether he did or he didn't make up this claim. I mean, what I'm picking up in the media, it doesn't look great. But, you know, we got to hear his side of the story. So I'm withholding judgment. And I hope that's the case in, in all of these affairs that uh, exist in our community. Because uh, this is the sin of Salem. It's what I've been calling it. The sin of Salem. The Salem witch trials. What was that all about? Well, tell you what. If you admit that you're a witch... We will ostracize you as a pariah and exclude you from the community and shut you out of the community if you admit you're a witch. And if you deny that you're a witch, we will burn you at the stake publicly, 
punish you for your denial. And that is the sin of Salem. And it is that sin of Salem that not only happened there, but happened during the Spanish Inquisition and historically throughout all human history. It's even in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, written 5,000 years ago. So we know historically that this has always been an issue. And that's why the founders put something in the Constitution called due process under the law. It's in the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, due process, that in this country and under American jurisprudence and how we handle these sort of affairs, we don't rush to judgment. And due process must occur, otherwise innocent people get tried publicly by mobs, and it always results in injustice. And so that is the current issue I find myself in. I think it's the current issue on the reverse side with Jussie Smollett. And I just hope in this social media-driven world where everybody wants instantaneous communication, tweeting, retweeting, Instagram, Snapchat, put it on Facebook, post it, put it up. I read it on the internet. Boom, boom, boom. Constant, instant, 24-hour news cycle that in the midst of all that, we find a way to include due process under the law because we have to. Historically, it is minorities, racial, religious, and sexual minorities who suffer when there is not due process under the law. So, everybody, take a deep breath, relax, chill out. The, the claim against me, one was investigated, found not to be true. The other two have not filed a claim. And despite repeated demands that they do so, they have not. So we're waiting for due process to occur. But in the meantime, it seems like the community is just ready to burn down the house, a pitchfork and torch and all, without allowing a process to unfold. So... That's all I want to say about me. I don't like being the center of the story, but the reason I love Sidebar with John Duran is it gives me a two-hour period of time uh, every Friday where I don't think about myself and instead bring other people in here to hear about their thoughts and opinions. But my uh, general managers and producers thought it was important that since I'm in the news with Jesse Smollett, <laughs> that I actually talk about this for a bit. And that's what I want to say about it today. So, you know what? I'm available, I'm accessible. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. I'm always happy to talk to people about all this so that the truth eventually does come out. I've been doing LGBT rights for 40 years, kids. 40 years is a very long time to be doing work, a body of work for this community. And uh, what I'm being accused of here is completely contrary to who I am. It is not in my DNA to sexually assault or assault anybody physically. Am I a bit of a, you know, Santa Monica Boulevard flirtatious guy who's out there and on grinder and on scruff and, and a little bit body? And uh, do I have a, a long history of being in the nightclubs on the Sunset Strip and Boys Town? Yes, that's all true. But the people in West Hollywood knew that about me when they elected me and then re-elected me four more times. That's who I've always been. It is possible to be a civil rights attorney and simultaneously somebody who enjoys the laughter and the hysteria 
and the antics of our LGBT people. Humor is our best defense. Call it gallows humor, if you will. It is how minorities have always survived tough times. You find the humor. You find the silver lining. You laugh at yourself. You laugh at others. And it's a survival mechanism. And I hope that in this era that we now find ourselves in on the internet and Me Too, there will always be a time for laughter and joy in the midst of it all. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Sidebar with John Duran. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sidebar with John Duran. Channel Q. Welcome back, kids, to Sidebar with John Duran. And we have in studio... What a week you've had. Oh, my God. There my is. week is so much better. I don't even get to introduce him. He's already talking. I can't help it. It's the wonderful Ant. Hi! <laughs> Welcome, Ant. I'm Welcome so to excited show. to be here. It's so good to have you I here. told two friends I was doing your show, and one of them was like... Oh my God, it's so controversial. He's like, you really want to? And I went, yes. I go, I love John. I go, and I, my relationship with John is based on my experience of John. And I have had only the greatest experience with you. So I am honored and thrilled. I'm lending my name. I'm doing anything for you. <laughs> you're, you're awesome. Just know Thank that. So Just know that. And there's so many people that feel that way. Oh, and so. it's a shame that what's happening right now is like so... I think it's just devastating that just a mere accusation like destroys careers, lives, people. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then on the flip side, you have what's happening with Jesse Smollett. Well, there's another thing, right? The flip side of the issue, because he's claimed to be a victim. And we all went, oh, my God, believe the victim. Poor Jesse. And then it turns out, oh, maybe well, it's not first of all, we it's not proven. Number one, it's yeah, still no, it's the police. But here's the other thing I want people to see is that. Chicago has the highest homicide rate in the country, True. 600 a year. True. And there are families in Chicago going, my loved one is dead and you haven't solved this problem, right? Yeah. Yet the city of Chicago devoted a thousand man hours right. to the just and solved it apparently or allegedly in 10 days. It's amazing. So on the flip side of that coin, I'm like, wait a minute here. You can't be pointing the finger at at Jesse and saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna charge you for felony disorderly conduct as opposed to pleading it down to a misdemeanor, uh, because you made us. Well, wait a minute. What about all those homicides? Why weren't you devoting thousands of man hours to the homicides yeah. and solving those in ten days? Yeah. So it's really shedding light on another problem that's happening. At least that's my take. And we have listeners listening in Chicago this morning, so hello. Oh, we do. Shout oh, great. Out to Chicago out Well, there. and I hope that they call, I hope that people call in on the show. No, we don't allow that. Are no, you no. serious? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. No technology. No. You should see this office. It no. is a bleep hole. Yeah, no, we don't, I, I mean, come on now. We don't, uh, my grinder account bad. blows up as it is. We don't need any calls. I love that you're still being, like, uh, you're, you're still on grinder. Of course, of course you I are. I am. I'm a gay man. I'm a gay guy, too. I'm not on grinder. I'm trying to get on Bumble. 
It's for lesbians and women. Yeah. So, are you excited? It's Oscar weekend in your home city. In my hometown where I was born and raised, Los Angeles. not only that, but you're like the mayor. Like, do you get invited to all the parties? I do. Did you go to Elton's? Yeah, I get invited. And you know what? Did you go to Elton's? I have not been to Elton's in about four years. Okay. It's kind of pretentious. Well, and and it's it's great. I went once. And I did it for like 10 years in a row. But now I like to just cuddle up in my blanket and watch the Oscars in By yourself. It's pathetic. It's not pathetic. I sit with lesbians. I, I, I watch I it by them. myself because yeah. I cannot take the commentary. Ah, oh, very. I true. want to murder all of my friends when they're like, "Look, is she? How could she walk in that? Why is she wearing that? Oh my god, I can't believe she won or he won or they won her." And I'm just like, "Shut the f up," because. I want to hear what they have to say. Right, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the Oscars haven't been controversial in a long time. Remember when uh, Marlon Brando sent that, yes, uh, that uh, Native, yeah, American Native American woman yes. and she gave that big... Where's all the controversy? All right. Who's going to win Best Picture? Hopefully it's the favorite. Well, uh, which is what? You're, it's the favorite. <laughs> oh, you're hilarious. Because <laughs> it's right, a Greek okay. director. Right. Oh, uh, the course. Lobster was of one of my you're... favorite films that he directed. This is the, you know one of the second follow-ups. And uh, I hope Yorgos it's the favorite. Lanthimos. Lanthimos. That, that is pretty Greek. Yorgos. Of Yorgos course, you're, you're rooting for the Greek, of course. I am, but not because he's Greek, but because it's such a quirky film. And yeah. it's just, I loved it. I yeah. loved it. What did you think is going to win? I think I, I am cheering for Black Panther. I have seen it four times. <laughs> Here's what I... I mean, I, I think Black, Black Panther, Panther... I've seen Black Panther a bit more than four. Yeah. Uh, only because when Netflix, you know, you fall asleep to it, it's a fabulous film, right? Uh, but I don't think it's going to win because it's a Marvel film. <laughs> I don't think the Academy voters are that... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, They're looking for something more substantive than a Marvel yeah, comic. Yeah, uh, they are. And, and and even though Black Panther touched upon issues of race and, and all that stuff, I just think that the uh, Academy voters are so staid and so sort of old school conservative. Yeah. I don't think that that, that film stands a ch- I mean, it, it could be a huge Roma? upset. I haven't seen Roma, so I... I, I uh it was released in two theaters. It made zero box office, and it's going to win an Academy Award. I doubt that's going to happen. Green. What about Green Book? I Green Book I liked. Yeah. Green Book I liked. I had some issues with Green Book with a white man teaching a black man how to eat chicken. I thought that was <laughs> kind of retarded. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but is, does oh, that really happen? It's in the film. Oh, okay. And I'm just sitting here going, Are, oh, I, okay, that, that was an issue I had. Um, but I don't think it's going to... I think the favorite's going to win. I did you like... Uh, well, uh, and I love Bohemian Rhapsody because I'm a Freddie Mercury fan. I did too, but I think because Brian Singer's name is on it, they're not going to give it to him. Oh, I That's forgot what about my, that. Well, his name is on it, but then but he, he was got removed, thrown off, right? He right? got thrown off and it was finished yeah. by another director. But yeah, I just think yeah, that they're going to want to avoid controversy. Yeah. Well, yours truly compared to Brian Singer is like... Well, you know. Oh my God. Yours truly compared to Robert Kraft. Hello, oh, Robert owner Kraft. of the Patriots. Oh, I, I know. I All know, right. I know. Literally caught red... Ha- I mean, it, there was no happy ending. It was an awkward ending. That's for sure. When the police <laughs> jumped out of the, uh, you oh, know, that cake. that happened? Undercover Vice were there? Yes. That's oh, what... I mean, wow. they've been f- watching that particular massage parlor. Right. Which... Like what makes that one so special okay, that now, they watch that one? Now this is an LGBT audience. They may not remember who Robert Kraft is. He's Robert the owner Kraft of the is the Patriots, owner of the Patriots. Right? I Tom, said that Tom Brady. Yeah, right, Tom right. Brady. He doesn't yeah. own Tom Brady, John. No, no. He's the owner of the Patriots. Okay. Tom Brady works for him. Got it. Uh, but he uh, and uh, uh, but he was just busted in Florida 
in Jupiter, Florida. For soliciting acts of prostitution, right? But For asking he, for a happy ending. And I'm not kidding you, he got an awkward ending. But, but these women, unfortunately, didn't speak English. And it looks like they were brought here against their will is the bigger story. I mean, they're sex workers. Why is that the bigger story? Well, because... It, it happens every day. Well, yeah, but it's sad. It's sad. That sort of I don't think it's that sad. Sex, sex trafficking. trafficking is not that sad. I think it's sad. I don't think it's sad. One minute. I don't think it's sad. Here's why. I was cute as a child, and I would have been more than happy to be sex trafficked as a young adult, just to be brought to another country for free. (laughs) I'm only kidding, callers. Don't try and call this station. They don't take calls, but I'm only kidding. Of course, I think it's terrible. I'm being sarcastic. Okay. You're looking at me like, what? I never know where you're going to go. I should have given you the list of 14 dirty words we're not allowed to say. Have I said any of them? Not yet. I've done radio a million times. I'm holding my breath. I'm holding my breath. And your little straight uh, producer, Stuart, what's his name? Jason. He's got the Pause button ready to go. He's straight. Yeah. Yes, I yeah, am. So is spaghetti before it's boiled. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We're going to take his a commercial teeth are really break. white. We're here with Anne. Hi. <laughs> we're here with Anne on Channel Q uh, with Sidebar with John. Why do you Durant? have call? Fl- Sidebar with John Durant. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, kids. We're here with Ant. Hi. My favorite comedian. Hi. Oh, we're just having a gay old time here mm-hmm. in the studio. It's fun. <laughs> you, it's fun here. If you have a question, call 833-772-2557. That's not our show. Damn it. I know. I know you're reading it off the oh, wall. Oh, then call 213-864. Kidding. I was about to give number? my phone over. I figured. Yeah. I figured. But I only gave the first seven digits. <laughs> or six digits. <laughs> you are doing a study on Fatty Arbuckle. Why? Well, I'm Why? trying to pitch, uh, I really want to pitch Ryan Murphy to do uh, a story, feud, but Fatty versus sort of William Randolph Hearst. Because when Fatty Arbuckle, here's what happened. Fatty Arbuckle, um, back in the 30s, signed a $3 million picture deal Wow, with Paramount Pictures. Huge. Yeah. $3 million back then, which in today's date would be probably worth like 70 or $80 million. That's, That's a huge deal, right? He was one of their most bankable box office stars. He came from the silent era, you know, and he started in vaudeville and stuff. And um, to celebrate, he and uh, uh, one of his buddies and, and two of his female friends went up to San Francisco to celebrate. And they stayed at this hotel. And there was a young actress uh, named Virginia Rappe or Rapp. I don't know how you pronounce her last name. And uh, they were drinking, and it was during Prohibition, but this particular hotel and this concierge got them alcohol. Uh, they was drinking and laughing and merriment, right? Now, there was this also uh, this other woman there named Maud, who was like known for setting high-profile up men to get them to, to, to get blackmail information on them, right? She was the star witness of this whole trial. So there was alcohol and merriment, and Fatty and this uh, Virginia Rapp go into the suite, and the next thing you know... Uh, People are hearing screams and stuff, and he's accused of raping her, and she dies. Mm. 
and she dies. And uh, the interesting thing is Fatty was tried three times for this, and he maintained his innocence all three times. The first time, uh, it was a hung jury. The second time, it was a hung jury. And the third time, the jurors returned a verdict to the uh, judge of uh, innocent with a note. And the note was like, he has endured so much and this has been a travesty of justice and we should all be ashamed of ourselves and may he go on to live a full and happy life. But by then, it had completely destroyed that man. Wow. And so here's what happened. So it took three days for Virginia Rapp to even go to a hospital. Three days after this. There was never a rape kit done. There was never, you know, and it was just botched all the way around. But William Randolph Hearst, who owned newspapers around the country started seeing that when he started writing these salacious stories about Fatty, he was selling newspapers. So basically, he was tried in the public eye, which is what's happening to you right now, John. it is. And the prosecutors in San Francisco, where this all happened, were using the press and items that they found in the press as fact in order to try Fatty as well, which is... You know, not due process, not due sure. process. For, I mean, you're an attorney. It's yeah. not due process. So it is just the whole story of Fatty Albrecht has just really enthralled me because it is so mirroring what is happening today in the Me Too movement. Yeah, but it is next... so mirroring exactly what's happening in this poor man's career. He lost three million dollar deal and was found innocent, hung jury twice, and then innocent, so innocent that the jurors said, and it was unheard of. You're a lawyer. How often do jurors send a note of apology back to the judge Almost to be read never. to the defendant? Almost never. I've never yeah. heard of that, ever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just fascinated me, and I've just thought, you know, I want to I do a project about this. You know, and I, and I think Ryan Murphy, who he'd created take it Glee, on. Yeah. I think he'd be great for yeah. him. Ryan, if you're listening, many Ryan, if you're listening, or anybody that knows Ryan, yes. please you can go to theant.com and contact me. I mean, seriously, I just think this is right up his alley, and I don't think anybody could tell that story better than Ryan. Yeah, no, that's really, really true. Yeah. Amazing. So it's just mirroring everything that's happening right now, and they always say history repeats itself, and if we don't learn from our history we are doomed to always repeat it and at this pace an accelerated pace because people are tweeting and retweeting and oh social media has destroyed you know more it just really i I try and not to i'm i'm i do go on social media and i do post but it's usually all anti-trump stuff uh but I do think that it's destroying people's lives because, and, and you, know, you see kids committing suicide because they're bullied through social oh, media. That's the power of the medium, and we don't take it seriously. No, I think that's really sad. And it's not regulated. Yeah. I mean, it really isn't. It's all self-regulated. Well, you can't allow children to regulate children. Yeah. Because that's yeah. how we all are, basically a bunch of eight-year-olds. I, I was called a, a, a very uh, uncomfortable combination between Mae West and Rodney Dangerfield. I kind of like that. Uh, Why is that uncomfortable? I don't know. It's an uncomfortable so combination. So that's another thing I'm working on. A friend of mine has the rights to like the preeminent autobiography on Mae West. Yeah, she was amazing. Yeah. But you know, back then people thought that she was uh, transgendered. They thought she was the very first transsexual. They did not know that she was really born female, lied about her age, uh, lived at the Ravenswood, but had mansions. And, you know, she owned Van Nuys before Van Nuys was incorporated. I didn't know Did you know that, that about I Mae West? I did not know that. Yep. I knew she was a WeHo staple, a West Hollywood staple she was on a West the Sunset Ta- Strip. Correct. Yep. Correct. And, uh, and all those ad libs, those funny lines that you know her for were all ad libs. Oh, That's really? why she has had such problem with directors because she couldn't stick to the script. <laughs> and thank God, because, you know, when I'm bad, I'm, you know, good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, when I'm good, good I'm, I'm 
I'm good, but when I'm bad, I'm better. I'm better. That's right. right. That's, that's that's one of her lines. You know, all that that great stuff was because of Mae West. So I think it's a compliment for you. Yeah, that, that you was, have her tits. It's, thank you very much. No, it's the Rodney Dangerfield combination that I'm kind of. What's uh, wrong with the Rodney? I love Rodney. You're Dangerfield. not getting any respect right now. <laughs> Isn't that his big thing? That's very true. That's what yeah. I think they're talking about. Because you don't look like him. You're a gorgeous hunk. Oh, you're sweet. Thank Do you know you. Jim Dobson? His his mom married. Um, Rodney Dangerfield. Oh. Yeah. Do you know Jimmy? I publicist? Do I do not. Huge do. publicist. Great. Love oh. one of my dear friends. Oh. Yeah. How did the little Greek boy end up becoming this huge comedian? Because, I, I mean, I've seen you on TV. All I heard I've is, Aunt, you. you're fat. Did you hear that, straight boy? <laughs> and, no. <laughs> you're not straight. Because if... Uh, you know, it was... Uh, uh, my mom always says, I don't know why people pay to see you. You're not that funny. <laughs> That's my mother. I swear to God. And you want to know what else, too? So I just started, like, really flushing out our relationship, me and my mom. And I said, Mom, remember when I was 13 and you went to hit me? And I grabbed your hand and I said, if you touch me again, I'm going to call Child Protective Services. She goes, I don't remember that. I go, I do. And then you looked at me and said, how are you going to dial with no fingers? (laughs) Right? Parents deny all this stuff now. But that's what she said. That's what she said. She used to beat us with ladles and stuff. I did not. It was discipline back then. I'm like, Mom, you could still call it whatever you want. It was still child torture. Right? That's where I get my sense of humor from. That woman. You know, I was hosting a show on VH1 years ago called Celebrity Fit Club where it was a weight loss show for celebrities, right? And I was the host, and I had lost a lot of weight because the network had a meeting about my fat ass. So I lost a lot of weight, and I called my mom, and I go, did you see the premiere? And she's like, you look heavy. I go, well, mom, the camera adds 10 pounds. She goes, how many cameras are they shooting you with? <laughs> Isn't that terrible? That's the, that's the, the my mother. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Comedy was just, you know, you don't need a degree for it. It's a defense mechanism. What are you it's, trying to it's say? A, it's a defense. Well, I mean, you and I, I think we both use comedy as a defense mechanism. It's protected us. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what we need protecting from. Have you ever thought about that? Myself, usually. Probably. Isn't that the most? <laughs> Probably from ourselves. From ourselves. From ourselves. Oh, my God, John. Yeah. There's something for nobody, you and your therapist. nobody talks ba- as badly to me as I talk to me. Oh, and nobody. that will be the topic of the next time you come on Sidebar. About how we talk to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We have to wind it up, and I feel like we just got started. Will you I come do back? Too. I would love to have of you Of course back. I'll come back. Okay. Right. I should bring some of my friends, too, to liven this dump up. <laughs> we'll redecorate. What is that here. squid on there? I, I have no idea. Why do you guys keep octopus? saying that? I have no idea who put it up there. What How'd you know it was an octopus if you have no idea what it is? Uh, I, okay. I, it is a squid, by the way. I There's only the four octopus have eight. Okay. <laughs> Just so you know. Kids, we're off the rails. I want to thank all right. Ant for coming by here on Sidebar with John Duran, and thank you all for listening to us here on Channel Q. Sidebar with John Duran. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is she calling you John Durant? That, that's what I said to Jason earlier. It sounds like John Durant. No, it like cuts off a little bit. It's yeah, like Don, I, I John think, well, Durant. Well, that's our producer's problem. Yeah. <laughs> play it again. If you hadn't, I want to hear it. If you hadn't noticed, no, let him, can you play it? Here. Yeah. 
Let me find it. I refuse to leave. <laughs> Literally, I'm being served with three-day pay rent or quit and an eviction notice yes, to leave is. here. He won't get out of the chair, ladies and gentlemen. Well, your other guests were late. They're late. They're late. And Thank I showed you up for, for you. Agreeing to stay another And I wore minutes. this nice jacket for you yeah, so looks, I could it's look, very you know. becoming. Alexa, play Channel Q. <laughs> okay, Radio.com. Ready? Yeah. Ready, here we yeah. go. Sidebar with John Durant. Channel Q. It is Durant. You know, I think it says it's Durant. Durant. And Jason said, no, no, she's in That woman needs to re-record it. Yeah. And, I, and, she, and it needs to sound like a gay person. That is a gay man. That, <laughs> that was a man? That was a gay man. Oh, okay, never mind. How can you guys tell? I can't even tell. <laughs> I sounded like a woman. I'm kidding. Oh. I'm kidding. I was like, wow, transgendered <laughs> rights. Amen. Protect trans kids. Listen, what's the weirdest request that has ever come across your desk as the mayor of West Hollywood or a city council member? Like the decline cat thing was so gay. That was my thing. That was so that, gay, that, John. The first city in Thank the God country I hate to cats. ban declawing of cats. I'm yeah. so, I hate cats anyway. So I was like, they should be declawed so they should be defenseless so that we could be eradicated. <laughs> yeah, well, it came from the idea of some of my friends who need to be declawed and defanged. Oh, so that, it was actually about catty men. From, exactly. Oh, okay. Because that was the gayest thing. <laughs> Even my mother was like, this is the city you live in. I'm like, I know, mom. I have no idea where that came from. What's the weirdest? It was me. That was my original. Item. Okay. And now states all it's over the country. All are over. And people know. know when you go, I'm living West Hollywood, people are like, that's the city that prevents uh, you can't declaw your cat. I'm like, that's what you, you remember that's when true. we used to be known as a city where men slept with men? Yes. Now it's we're where much it's, bigger. Medical marijuana, first city to do yeah. that too. First city yeah. to promote marriage equality. We do a lot of stuff. We do a lot, stuff. but what's the weirdest thing that's come across your desk? That you can say on the radio. Yeah, I was going to say that I get all sorts of unusual requests that are not fit for air. Well, what's time. one of the weird ones that you can talk about that is fit for Wait air? Wait a minute. This is my show interviewing you. What, how <laughs> I know, I? but I never see you. So this is like, I feel like we're at Starbucks having coffee. Am I allowed to say Starbucks? Yeah, Starbucks is okay. Because it might be on that list of words we can't say. No. Apparently, I was bleeped twice, people. Yes, he was. He You're cleared the, for Starbucks. You're okay. cleared. Not the T word or the A word. You can't do that. I know I know. there's a famous burlesque song about TNA, but right. no. no. It's not burlesque. It's in the movie A Chorus Line. Oh, yeah. That, that's oh, true. my God. Do I have to teach you how to be gay, too? <laughs> well, look, I was asking... I want to do a thing called Gay 101, I where we teach young gays. I was my darling little straight producer here whether he was going to watch the Oscars, and his basic response was, yeah. If it's all, I happen Mia? to be in the room. What's Mia? You know, if I'm in the room and it's on and I'm not doing much, then yeah. sure, I'll tell you. That sounds on. like what you would do with a guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I'm in the room and I'm not doing much, oh, no. that's what that sounds no. like. I wouldn't know anything Have you about ever thought that. about being with a man? <laughs> no. no. You're no, lying. No. No. I've thought about being with women. Have you really? I've, every time I'm in a blackout, I wake up with them and they're usually crying. In a blackout, I'm a straight guy named Chip. That's a true story. Is it? Well, I've slept with like eight girls and it's all through blackouts. Okay. That's why I don't drink alcohol anymore. Okay, I'm a gold standard gay. I've I've never been with a woman ever. Never ever. The vagina does not scare me. Oh, I think that's you one know of the what? words on the list. By the way, you just got bleeped a third time. No, it's not on the list. <laughs> it's not. It okay. doesn't scare me. You know what scares me? So uh, people are like, so aunt, you're gay because you don't like sleeping with girls. I'm like, no, that's not what makes me gay. I can sleep with a girl, no problem. It's not the sex. It's the talking after. What are you thinking about right now? What are you thinking about your brother? Shut up. <laughs> I have no way, nothing to compare that with. You I'm sure don't. Jason has stories. Jason, like... don't they want to talk a lot after sex about feelings and stuff? Or you've I... not had sex with a girl yet either? I can't contribute to that because... 
you're in a relationship and you want to get laid tomorrow. <laughs> no comment. No okay. comment. He's a very smart producer. You see, he's not he doesn't say much. Well, he's not going to get dragged into it. What drag? It's kind of like you and I with the Super Bowl. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Of course I did. Because the Rams were playing, right? No, I'm a Patriot fan. I was born in Massachusetts. Oh, of course you were. That's why I stayed home alone and watched it, by the way. Plus, I wanted to see just how bad the Super Bowl show halftime show was going to be. It was so terrible. It was really bad. It was so... If you lose the game, if, if Maroon 5... Thank God they had three hits that they could, could have filled the time. But I was like, really? Like, Adam Levine had to get shirtless to keep the viewers? Yeah. Like, seriously? Yeah, I like Adam Levine. I love yeah. Adam Levine. I'm yeah. a big fan of his. I think he's funny. But I, I just thought, what a terrible halftime like Siri like uh, like you know the snap crackle pop guys from the Siri they would have done a better job for real I, I it was just terrible oh that's so funny and then they brought two token black guys out to be like look we're gonna we're, hold, cool. we're gonna address the whole Colin Kaepernick thing this way you know yeah it was just ridiculous I, I lost interest it just yeah. it, it, it I I it was a good game, though. Oh, my God. We're, Low scoring game, we're but We're down to the game. one minute warning again. Already? I, mean, I feel yeah. like literally. We just got on. Time we're flies. Talking. The only way I get to see you is if I come and, and do work for well, you. Well, I'm so glad that you'll come but back. But I'm so again. happy to do it. You've done so many favors over the years. Yeah, That's why you're a poor attorney, because you're just giving <laughs> services away to your friends and yeah. not billing us. And both times I've said, you can send me a bill, and you're like, I am not going to send you a bill. Yeah. And then I hang up thinking, what a lovely man. But then when you ask me to do stand-up for you, I always show up. And you do. I do. And it all works out. Yeah. And thank you for joining I us love here. You. R. I love R. Kelly you indicted. Too. Ten counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse. That you can talk about that. your phone. All right. All right, gang. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Thank you for tuning in here to us on the new Channel Q. Sidebar with John Durant. We'll be right back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Welcome back, gang. And thank you, Ant, for joining us this morning. Oh, my God. Ant always makes me bust a gut. And hopefully he didn't offend anybody, especially my producer, Jason. I'm sorry. On behalf of gay people everywhere, Jason, I hope my friend Ant did not offend you as a heterosexual. No, I, I like the edgy content. It was <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, he was, he was edgy. That's for sure. <laughs> now we've got Dennis Osborne and Byron Noreen in studio, movie buffs, members of Writers Guild and uh, Actors Guild and all kinds of guild. And they know movies. I do not. I do not know them that well but guys you've been on the show before so welcome back why thank, thank you. you what do you guys want to talk about i mean I, I know so little and of course my little friend over here jason being the heterosexual voice in the room he probably knows the same amount of i know about movies but uh well you're not missing much that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> you dodged a whole bunch of bullets oh god oh my god you guys are gonna be like the critics that hate everything i love that okay i will tell you the one movie i loved and i'm sure you hated it but i love black panther i've seen it four times i loved it so much oddly enough it's the one movie we have not seen i've never seen a superhero movie so oh it's... you've never seen spider-man or superman or I, ha- I saw the Batman? richard donner superman when i was a kid and uh, I have not moved on. 
Okay. Since I, I mean, that's a great movie, but it's a classic. And yeah, we consider Auntie Mame to be a superhero movie. But no. Auntie Mame <laughs> is a with the Rosalind Russell. Yeah, right. not Lucille Ball. Correct. Because the Mame. Lucille Ball version is horrible. Yes. Do never, never see that. As we covered in the Christmas uh, episode right. of this. Yeah. One. Yeah. Best movie. Best picture. What? Any favorite, including the favorite, or? Well, it's weird because it's it's gotten to the point now where. It, it's not really a front runner, you know. Most of these years, there's no real front runner that you could say, "Oh my God, this is definitely the best movie." Now it's gotten to the point where it's the movie that sucked the least. I think. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? terrible. Well, because they're all seriously flawed. Okay, I love Vice. I, I did see Vice. I, I, oh dear. No, I thought. I mean, I, great. The subject matter, Dick Cheney, not one of my heroes, right? Right. But Christian Bale. I mean, really, I think he deserves best actor. He really made me believe that was Dick Cheney up there. But the thing about when you see a performance by an actor that's that's performing as somebody that we all know, it's actually quite easy to do. It's the easiest acting to do because mimicking really doesn't take a lot of effort. It's when you create a character out of whole cloth that, that I'm always impressed with. Uh, for instance, Glenn Close, you know, this year. With I didn't the wife. see the wife. Yeah. She deserves it, though. She's been missed by, repeatedly eight, eight over or nine and over. times. Yeah. And There's so many performances where she should have won an Oscar. That, Such as what? Hasn't, oh, my God. A Fatal Attraction. Oh, that Her was good. Alex character, yeah. Dangerous Liaisons. Oh, that was good, too. Yeah. Um, I forgot about those. Yeah. Uh, the, what was the, the natural, um, you know, garp? You know, I mean, she's she's always been she's always been at the top of her game. I mean, yeah. she's never given a bad performance. I don't think she has. So it's great to finally see somebody like that uh, get rewarded, and she and she will definitely win this. What year. about Melissa McCarthy in, uh, in uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? I mean, comedian doing a dramatic role. I always think that's interesting. Well, yeah, if it's if it is interesting, but it's <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love sitting with critics. Oh my god, you guys hate well, everything. <laughs> no, because Melissa McCarthy is really talented. She is, but this wasn't this wasn't one of her best performances. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I, I mean, I, when I saw it, I just thought, yeah. I mean, I've seen her do all this before. Um, it's not really it's not a real stretch for somebody that talented to do a dramatic role you know she's a great comedic actress she knows her timing and her rhythm and she's terrific but this this isn't anything worthy of a I mean I didn't even think it was worthy of a nomination let alone an award Byron who do you think for best actress oh Glenn Close you agree too yes not even Lady Gaga on A Star is Born no yeah if she got Maybe best song because I love the song. The song was beautiful. Yeah. the The thing about Lady Gaga is that no one expects her to be any good, you know. Because I, I mean, I saw some of the episodes of the TV show she did, and she was not very good in that. The, but she won a Golden Globe for that. But nobody expects her to be good. So when she's passable, like in A Star Is Born, I mean, are, is it time yet that we can now say how bad A Star Is Born is? Are we cleared to say that now? Because <laughs> I think that's the, the agenda d- of this this radio program. Today, <laughs> well, no, because well, I there mean, have been four versions of A Star Is Born, and I'm guessing you guys like the original, the very first one, which came out what 1930s. Uh, well, there, what price Hollywood is that? The, is uh, it? No, the very first Star Is Born. It, it, it wasn't called Star oh, Is Born. Oh, Janet Gaynor. Janet Gaynor. Well, what price Hollywood was with? Um, uh, what's her name? The God, I can't remember her name. The uh, the first A Star Is Born was a remake of that, and that was with Jan- Janet Gaynor and Frederick March. Okay. Um, and then... Then um, Judy Garland. Then Judy Garland. And then right. Barbara Streisand. And then Barbara Streisand. And then Lady Gaga. And then Lady Gaga, right. yeah. Right, right. Um, 
the definitive version, of course, is the James Mason, Judy Garland version because, I mean, it's just exceptionally well acted. The music is wonderful. The performances are great. That's that's the definitive version. Um, the Barbara Streisand version, of course, is a hoot. It's it's. It's, black black widow is sitting in the yeah, middle of hilarious. society. We love, love watching we love watching that movie because we just make fun of it the whole time. But the thing is and it is it's a great it's a it's a great I've seen it a million times. Yeah, I, me too. I remember watching it right when it opened when I was a kid and the lines were around the block. Right. And um because I loved Barbara Streisand from What's Up, Doc. Yes, of course. But I don't think I had seen. I think I did see the way we were. But I. But so I was excited to see it, and a whole group of friends, you know, went to the theater to see it. I remember sitting there going, "This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my <laughs> life," and everybody, of course, loved it. Um, but the music was so good that you can watch it over and over and over again. It's like Purple Rain, you know. I love Purple Rain, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. the music is it's, so well, Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, the music was good, and I think, well, yeah, you don't, of course. You, Rami Malek, for best actor, you don't think he's going to win? No, I, again, it's very easy to imitate somebody yeah. that everybody knows. I mean, Freddie Mercury, how, I mean, every, anybody can imitate Freddie Mercury and do it probably as good. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not worthy of the attention he's gotten, because Freddie Mercury was an incredibly fascinating yeah. talented person. Let's check in with my straight boy millennial. You know Freddie Mercury at all? Any? I don't. Yeah, there you go. Straight boy millennial. Don't know anything about Freddie Doesn't Mercury. Doesn't know Queen or Freddie? I mean... Queen? You've heard the band Queen, right? I've heard of the band, yes. Okay, there you go. So well, then he's heard of Freddie Mercury. Then. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a, you know, it's like Jamie Foxx doing Ray Charles and, uh, you know, it, people get a lot of attention for imitating somebody that everybody knows. But I, I've never really been impressed with those kinds kind of performances i just i was on a high from beginning to end and maybe because it's the music i was raised on in the 70s and 80s and everything and then knowing his story and him coming out with his hiv towards the end and the tragedy and but it felt like i was watching the disney channel version of the freddie mercury story you know because there's so much that i mean it should have been much grittier than it was and it felt so you know, like for instance, Look, when, even Straight Boy's nodding his head yes on that. Well, see. because you know, like like and dumb, stupid things like when you know they have that record producer that they have that meeting with, um, where they say we're going to do Night at Mike the Myers. Opera, and you're going to Mike Myers, yeah. Uh, no, I don't think. Oh, was it Mike Myers uh, playing the producer? I thought it was behind the desk, or maybe it was. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Because he made a comment about the headbanging kids. Kids are not going to do headbanging in a car about that, and of course that is in fact the famous scene he and Garth doing right. in the car. But the yeah. ridiculous thing is, years passed, and and they do this great performance at you know Live Aid, where they just basically tear. The, no, there's no roof on that place, but they tear it down anywhere, and it cuts back to him in the same shirt in the same office, and I think. What, was he frozen in there all those years? <laughs> you know, dumb mistakes like that yeah. where you just go, no, this just, no, no. We got to no. take a commercial break. But hang on. We'll come back and so keep talking about this. I want to thank you all for listening to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Sidebar with John Duran. We'll be right back. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. 
Welcome back, kids. We're here with Dennis Osborne and Byron Noreen, and we're talking about the Oscars because it's Oscar weekend, our, our big Super Bowl of my hometown, Los Angeles. And I guess we should talk a little bit about how the Oscars came about, guys, because I, I mean, I don't know. We were talking about it during the break, and talk about the process of how the Oscars even work. How they came out? Yeah. I, well, I wasn't, I'm not that old. No, I know you're not that old, but. <laughs> Well, I probably just they just needed something, you know, needed to hype things more. I mean, they needed to. I actually, what Robert Osborne was a very good friend, and and yeah. he wrote a great book on the, the whole thing. Turner Classic Movies, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And he said that it basically was trying to raise the standard of filmmaking hmm. to try and reward people that have done excellence. We're sort of in the opposite end of that now where it's just all hype it's just marketing now right and the standard has not been raised and the standard is is so low now that you know and then there was the Hayes code and all there the Hayes code came out i think in the 30s yes. about certain things you couldn't do yeah so lgbt lgbt people pretty much got wiped out of movie making any portrayal of same-sex relations or intimacy you had to keep one foot on the floor couples couldn't be seen in beds right women had to look this way men had to look that way <laughs> so they tried to regulate language sex sexuality i mean that was the Hayes code yeah. and it was in effect i think all the way up through the 60s for like 30 years until in- the until the rating uh, rating system went and of course because the studio was finally balked because people they wanted to put butts in the seats and so they allowed you know they wanted nudity and they wanted things like that so they allowed butts in the movies <laughs> exactly. butts on the screen to get butts in the seat mm-hmm. exactly Basically. and it worked i think midnight cowboy was one of the first ones where they kind of pushed it a bit was that the 70s i think that was the 70s uh, 69 I 69 i remember appropriately kind of push, so. there you go push the envelope the movie midnight cowboy yeah. started to be a little more honest anything with uh serpico al pacino they started really pushing the envelope on all this stuff. yeah yeah and then, and it also heralded in the, uh, you know, a golden era of movies. I mean, the seventies were, you know, astonishing. And and those are the Such movies I what? grew up watching. Oh my gosh, you know, French Connection, The Exorcist, The Way We Were. All the movies of all those genres are all still considered some of the best of those genres. Mm-hmm. Um, Cabaret, Godfather. I mean, it, you know, it, Alice doesn't live here anymore. And it goes on and on and on. Mm. Byron, what's, yeah, your golden you era? Have, um, what's your golden era of movie making? You're a little younger um, than Dennis and I. I would still say the 70s, actually. Really? Oh, that's um, interesting. You know, three women, and even um, overseas. I, I really like German movies, and one of my favorite directors is Foss, Reiner Werner Fassbender, and most of his movies were made during the 70s. Um, so even just uh, domestically and abroad, that huh. was a really strong period that's interesting because of course the 70s were all about also sexual liberation i mean you know what came out of flower power in the 60s led to the sexual liberation in the 70s women seeking equal rights with the era lgbt people finding communities and neighborhoods i mean it was all about pushing the envelope on sexual expression and and breaking traditional roles that were established in the 50s i mean lucy Mm -hmm. and ricky yeah i watch i love lucy now and i cringe the way that lucy and ethel are treated as women and i mean ricky spanks her there's like domestic violence and people are laughing and applauding well, she and does like, some what? hitting herself in the- yeah yeah that's true and plus they're smoking <laughs> plus they're smoking on the set which is like yeah. crazy making to me but we can't we can't live in prisms like that where we're where we look at everything through the moment that we're standing we're in. in presently i mean it's just stupid yeah you know that i mean imagine you know cavemen dragging women around by their hair that was perfectly acceptable back then in neanderthal days but i thought you weren't that old i guess you were i i have video of it <laughs> with my dad doing that to my mom and 
you know, but it's a, uh, you know, may, we're getting to the point where, you know, women can start dragging men around by their hair. That's what, actually why men lose their hair. So that did you guys see it. Black mm-hmm. Klansman by chance? Did you see it? Yes, we did. Now, I liked Black Klansman because it took a very sensitive topic about a period of time in this country. I think that was, they were portraying the 70s, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, the Se- 70s. early 70s. But then the way the movie finished into modern day to show the correlation between where, struggles where, of the past where and, it took us and to. how we're now... Ooh, right square in that moment one more time. I thought that was brilliant. I hope Spike Lee uh, wins Best Director. But I think Roma's probably up there, too, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, I, well, Spike Lee, you know, again, it was one of those movies that, I mean, Spike Lee has his way of doing things. He's, it's sort of like Martin Scorsese, where people have an affinity for him, but they're not, I don't really think either of those men are great directors because they do so much where, you know, where you practically see them leaning their heads into the frame and winking at the audience, you know, like, isn't this cool? What a, Didn't Alfred know. Hitchcock do that? No. Yeah, come on, in all his movies, Rear Window, The Birds, they're Alfred no, He just Hitchcock. walked through the frame, that's all. He did He didn't walk, actually but he, wink. But he did that because it was expected of him. That's why he started doing it at early movies. But he, everything in an Alfred Hitchcock movie is meant to draw the, the, viewer into the story deeper right. and deeper right. with Martin Scorsese and they're just you know just showing off yeah you know Byron and Dennis had me to their home to see Rear Window because I had never seen it Alfred Hitchcock classic and I so loved it I'm still thinking about the way it was shot and that they have these so I don't know soliloquy they have these characters talking for like eight solid minutes in one camera I don't know what you call it. Yeah. Without, shot. Sh- with one shot. And yeah. you're riveted. Like eight minutes, and I was watching a character talk for eight minutes without breaking into a different scene. Yeah. That's and, brilliant. But that's talent, you know, and he he doesn't have to resort to tricks. I mean, he, you know, he was a, he had great visual sense. But he, he never won artist. an Oscar, did he? No, he never did. Why? Because, again, I think it's it's sort of the thing like what you're going through right now. When you excel at something, people start to resent you. And they and they just – there's a lot of jealousy. There's a lot of frustration. And so they don't want to reward people like that. Today, of course, you know, we're at the opposite. And like we're saying, we're rewarding mediocrity left and right. I mean, we watch The Favorite. Uh, just a couple nights ago, when, when before when you asked us to do this, we thought, well, maybe we should watch these things. <laughs> I, and again, I, it's I, we were watching Emma Stone, and we're thinking this woman won an Oscar, and she's there's nothing there, and she's woefully in way over her head, and with these other two women that actually are very good, um, and. It's just very frustrating to watch these things and think, this is what passes now for great Oscar-winning movies and Oscar-nominated films. What we're watching right now, this boring, tedious exercise, is now what people think is great. And it, it just made it just makes you yearn for more, you know, those days when you actually were watching greatness, you know, when there were Hitchcocks and there were, you know, people doing great stuff. And today, it's just mediocre. It's just, it's people showing off. Hmm. So, like Bradley Cooper, for instance, we were talking about that on yeah. the break. I mean, so incredibly overrated. I don't know. I don't know what was in the drugs or in the water with people praising this. It's ching. Oh, money! Yeah. It's money. And yeah, mar- yeah. I mean, they really poured a lot of money into marketing this, but it's 
it is just the whole thing is just an exercise in self glorification. Mm-hmm. You know, well, as many sh- as shirtless shots as he could get. You know, the camera I focusing didn't object. on him. And, I didn't object. But, but maybe go ahead, Byron. Oh, do you need to have your shirt off when you're getting your he- hearing checked? Yes. My doctors were making me do that for years. I, I have no yeah, idea. Touche. It's just insane. It's just absolutely insane. We got to take a break, but when we come back, maybe we can talk about this contradiction between money making and making of art, and you know how rare it is that you get both in the same place. Uh, okay, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back after the commercial here on Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q. Giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Welcome back, kids. Here at Sidebar with John Duran, my guest Dennis Osborne and Byron Noreen, and we're talking about the Oscars and where we left off before the commercial break was this contradiction between putting butts in seats, making money, and uh, making great art, and how rare it is for both those things to happen at the same time. Like, I look at Jaws. Okay, Jaws to me was revolutionary. Yeah. I saw it. I had never, I used to swim in the ocean in Santa Monica Huntington Beach all the time. I see Jaws. I'm now afraid to get in the ocean. Yeah. And, and it's not likely that a great white shark is going to attack me off Santa Monica Pier, but it was amazing to see that movie, and it was a huge moneymaker. Yeah. Well, Psycho did the same thing with showers. Yes. You know, people didn't want to take showers, but, and that's the whole thing. <laughs> that's kind of, of Which resulted in the hippie the movement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, you know, you can have it all you you know we were raised in 70s we grew up in the 70s and movie after movie i mean the godfather well, that's a good Cabaret, one that was great art and made a jaws lot of kramer versus kramer um that's true those are all good examples you know, where they did both I, I mean on and on and on all the president's men even movies that were politically you know had a political agenda were huge blockbuster hits right. because the standard was so high and they all made money and they all were done by talented people yep. that knew what they were doing and um and i don't know what happened and now you know i mean I, cuz i know i have sat in these meetings with executives and they i just remember some of the notes that that I've had to suffer and my friends have had to suffer from executives when they started calling them creative executives, which none of them are creative, by the way. Um, I think that might have had a lot to do with it. Um, I mean, I blame people like Jeffrey Katzenberg for, you know, the downfall of everything because he, more than anybody, he and Michael Eisner, you know, when they took over Paramount, just turned studios into basically television you know, production entities where you just see the latest episode of these franchises over and over and over again. And I miss the specialness of films. I miss it a great deal. And they're just not special anymore. But there is a way you can do that. Um, 12, In, independence, maybe. Is it indies? Is that where? Right. But even independents are now, you know, just money hungry too. Every once in a while, a 12 years a slave will get through, you know, um, a movie like that, which is, which was a hit and also creatively brilliant and riveting that was a great movie but there 
Mulholland Drive is another one. You know, um, they're very, very rare when filmmakers are allowed to do the movie they're supposed to do. Right. And they usually get rewarded when they do it. But a lot of times you have to go through these filtering processes, creative executives, you know, money people that want to, you know, uh, want to bring in some uh, YouTube star, you know, that has two million followers. They'll want to star them in a movie. They'll force them into a major role when they can't act. And, you know, it's so it's all the beginning of bad movies. But but during the the heyday of the big studios, isn't that what they did? They looked for actors or actresses to put in their stable that they thought would be big box office draws. I mean, to be an MGM, you know, one of Goldwyn or Myers people. Yeah, but there were, but the problem is, there weren't 20 people making decisions at that time. You know, it was the studio exec saying, you know, I want Betty Davis in, you know, Dark Victory. I want, you know, that that sort of had vision and knew, and knew to turn over the reins to the creative people and trust that they would do what they're supposed to do. Now, nobody trusts anybody. Now, everybody's got to put their fingers in it. Everybody thinks they're creative. Everybody, you know, I mean, we could have a whole nother show of of some of the stuff that I've heard in these executive meetings where you just scratch your head and go, what is going on? I mean, it's it's insane. But back then, they let the creative people do what they were supposed to do. But now there's so much desperation that, you know, that that really lowers the quality of films. Mm. I want to have a, 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 a an accounting here from the four of us, see who gets most of these right. All right? So there's, there's an accounting. Best picture. Bohemian Rhapsody, Favorite, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Green Book, Vice, Stars, Born, or Roma. Who and, do you vote for? And this is our personal vote or who we think Who you think is going to win? Let's see who gets the most right. Byron, who do you think? Um, well, I want to do Best Picture, Actor, and Actress. Best Picture. Um, I'm going to say Bohemian Rhapsody. I, I would say that just because the, the biggest virtue was the queen music which had already existed for decades but right. you know right. <laughs> but it was um, it was a virtue nonetheless yeah jason you got a pick on best picture ah uh, no <laughs> i know <laughs> the straight dude he's like whatever <laughs> dennis what do you think i'm thinking that green book will probably win because of all the movies again it it was the least worst movie <laughs> um, it it was a good it was a good story it wasn't you know it's not a classic but the performances were good it was some it was something that was um, socially uh, relevant right, um, right and it it had a happy ending you know um, I'm so I'm going to say have, that Green I Book I haven't seen it. okay actress Glenn Close in The Wife well, Olivia Colman in The Favorite Lady Gaga stars Born or Melissa McCarthy Can You Ever Forgive Me I say Glenn Close. Of course, Glenn I Close. mean it's, it's. We all say Glenn Close. That's interesting. Well, because it was a fantastic performance, and it's it's kind of sad because it's not really the greatest performance she's ever done, but she deserves this. She, she, you know, she should have won many times over the past year. So it's her time, yeah. And it's about time, and no one's going to be angry or. Jason, frustrated. you think Glenn Close too? Sure. Yeah, why, why, not? why not? Why not? Why not? Okay. All right, what about Best Actor? Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody, Christian Bale, Vice, Bradley Cooper, Stars, Born, William Defoe at Eternity's uh, Gate, or Viggo Mortensen, Green Book? Well, Rami is the favorite in this category. Um, 
I don't know. but uh, I think Rami Malek's going to get it from Bohemian Rhapsody. I do, too, because everybody falls, again, for what I said, for the, the dazzling performance, because everybody knows Freddie Mercury. Right, right. It was a good, it was a good imitation yeah. of Freddie Mercury, and that's what they're No, I'm asking reward. who you think is going to win, not who should win. I just, oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, I yeah. think he is going to win. All right. Well, I guess we'll... we'll I'll, I'll save Hugo Mortensen just to throw a curveball. You may end up winning the, oh, the challenge. <laughs> I don't know enough he was about good, directors, but, but Alfonso Cordon for Roma. No, it's Spike Lee. Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite. No. Spike Lee for Black Klansman. Adam McKay for Vice. Or uh, Paul Pawlikowski for Cold War. No, it's Spike Lee because he's I been around Spike a long Lee. time and everybody wants to give it to him. So I think Spike Lee's going to win. It's too. going to be yeah, yeah, Spike yeah. Lee. I'm just curious what you all thought about that. I don't know. I don't know if we ever get back to the heydays of movie making. I don't know. It no, just seems not like any the time dynamic the has changed so much. Yeah, in this very much day. so. Yeah. I will say if, uh, for supporting actor, I think Richard E. Grant should win for that. Supporting actor, Richard D. Grant. He was in what? Uh, can you ever forgive me? Oh, can you me? ever forgive me? He Which, was great. He was, yeah, he was the only good thing. In the- <laughs> yeah, he was He was good. But again, he's he's Richard E. Grant in that movie. I mean, he Richard yeah. E. Grant is a great actor. He's a great character actor. And it wasn't that much of a stretch for him. But I think it was a performance that really stuck out. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, when you think of the rest of them, I mean Sam Elliott. I love Sam Elliott. And Star is Born. But what yeah. what is yeah. he doing on that list? Well, we are running out of time, you guys. But uh, I want to thank you. We'll see who wins this little competition over who picked the most uh, in, in our little challenge here. But thank you for coming back for Oscar time. And thank you. Enjoy the Oscars and look forward to having lunch with you after the show's over. Yes, and I look forward to all the hate mail and, and uh, phone calls you're yes. going to get for who us. Who were those nasty horrible gay critics? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a short commercial break. Thank you to uh, Byron Noreen and Dennis Osborne for joining us on the Oscars. Thank you for listening to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Welcome back, kids. It was such a great show today. I want to thank all my guests who came on. I want to thank the fabulous Ant for making us all laugh and giggle here in the studio. And uh, thank Dennis Osborne and Byron Noreen for uh, joining me on Oscar Weekend. And, uh, of course, thank you to all of you who supported me when I was hospitalized in the past week with blood clots. Oh, they're terrible, kids. They're terrible because they can be deadly. Sadly, my friend Greg Willenborg, who's a television producer, uh, died of an unexpected blood clot just two weeks ago. And that's why I had to get into Cedars and get them resolved and dissolved. But uh, here we are, and it's uh, been amazing that uh, uh, Mr. Trump who I still refuse to call the president, Mr. Trump, is uh, tweeting about Jussie Smollett and yet not tweeting at all about the uh, Coast Guard, uh, who was part of a right-wing nationalist movement to assassinate prominent Democratic political figures and journalists. And all this talk of building a wall, uh, supposedly to keep out dangerous threats to the United States. It's becoming more and more apparent that the dangerous threats are not coming from the outside, but are rather within our national borders. And the Internet and social media has given a lot of these nationalists a fertile field in which to gather and organize and promote their messages of hate. Uh, That's not to say, of course, that we don't have to be secure with possible 
terrorism, uh, especially as we continue to do missteps in places like Syria and North Korea. There will probably always be threats to us from other nations. But the reality is that Donald Trump and his political philosophy has inspired more uh, right-wing hate groups within the United States that suddenly feel they have permission to come out of the holes and cracks in which they dwell and to openly express themselves with tiki torches and Nazi symbols and Nazi messages from Charlottesville to the internet. And that is far more threatening, I think, to American society, far more threatening to LGBT people, to Jew and Muslim alike, and to immigrants from all over the world that we have to deal with these right-wing nationals. I think I mentioned to you all about a month ago that I actually made the pipe bombers list as a person of interest to him and got a call from the FBI to let me know that I was on his list because there's a belief that a lot of these guys are organized and talk to one another, so I have to be on guard. And that is the reality. I feel I have more to fear from some of my fellow Americans than I have to fear from somebody in Iraq or Iran or in Syria. More concerned about uh, the people within our society who believe that Herr Trump is a cult figure to be followed uh, without question. Uh, that sort of loyalism to somebody like Donald Trump is what leads to dictators and leads to uh, scenarios like Jonestown with Jim Jones, uh, to uh, people doing things where they abandon reason and rationale and instead follow emotion uh, and follow misguided leaders. So as we move forward... It's Mueller time. It's coming up next couple of weeks. It appears the Mueller report is finally going to be ready for release. Thank goodness we all did what we did to give uh, Speaker Pelosi the power that she and her chairwomen and chairmen have to make sure that uh, the Mueller report cannot be completely buried. Congress has equal power to require Mueller or other members of the Justice Department or FBI to come forth and testify about their findings. And thank goodness we're going to finally put some check and balance into the far right-wing extremism of Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Long overdue. And uh, we're going to all come through this. And I know it's Democratic primary time, and we've got 20 people running for the Democratic nomination. I'm behind Kamala. Love Kamala. I've known her a while. She's a Californian. I'm a Californian. So, of course, I love and support her. But whoever you support, uh, I hope at some point we will all gather around one candidate because a second term of Donald Trump and Mike Pence would do more damage to us than I can even bear to think about or imagine. So separate as you will, support the candidate or candidates that you wish, but uh, come next year as we head into the November 2020 election, I hope we all gather together as one to make sure that not only do we send Donald Trump and his corrupt cronies packing out of 1616 Pennsylvania Avenue. But we also have the opportunity to take hold of the U.S. Senate because in 2020 there are more Republicans who are vulnerable than Democrats. And we must take back the U.S. Senate so that poor Ruth Bader Ginsburg can retire. Let her go retire. And let's get some Supreme Court justices that will keep us on the right path for equality and due process under the law for the generations to come. So it's good to be back with you all. I look forward to seeing you all next Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. Have a great Oscar party, whoever you share that moment with. And 
and I'll see you all next Friday. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q.